nowadays we are focused on animal welfare because we can maximize the production already. But a lot of people, especially the animal industry, they care about animal welfare. Like uh, they want customers, uh, um, salesperson, or the restaurant chain, they're interested to know where the chicken come from, if the chicken had a good welfare protection. A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming soon. The brightest minds of the global poultry industry will be right in your pocket. And what's best, you can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Adiseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable ways. DSM, helping customers with efficient and sustainable poultry production. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe. And AB Vista. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show. I'm your host today, Karen Grogan. And my guest today is Dr. Leelong Chai, who is one of my colleagues from the University of Georgia. Um, Leelong works as an assistant professor and engineering specialist within our Department of Poultry Science. And his um, sort of specialty area is um, air uh, engineering, air quality, precision farming. Um, and he has a um, extension role, um, which we'll probably talk to kind of what his jobs are with extension. Um, Leelong came to us from Iowa State University. Um, I'm sure you enjoy the warmer weather here in the South. Um, so, um, Leelong, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your training and how you uh, became interested in engineering as it relates to poultry. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Leelong Chai. Uh, currently, I'm an assistant professor and engineering specialist with poultry science department at UGA uh, since 2018. Prior to that, I was a postdoc research at Iowa State University in the Department of Agriculture Biosystem Engineering. During uh, my postdoc training at Iowa State, I participated in some uh, USDA NIFA grant uh, project, including one is related to the avian influenza prevention, like a transmission of airborne uh, bacteria and uh, AI, how we are using engineering technology to prevent uh, the transmission. Uh, my PhD was a joint training between uh, China Agriculture University and uh, Purdue University. So in the past few years, I studied in different countries, China, uh, USA, and also Canada. I, I was working with Agriculture Canada for three years as an interim postdoc fellow from 2012 to 2015. Then from 2015 to 2018, I was with ISU, and then I joined UGA. Excellent. Out of the places that you've studied so far, um, what's what's been the best experience for you? Uh, I would say uh, I learned a lot from each place. Like at Purdue, I participated in a very large project called National Air Emission Monitoring Study, NAMS project. That was a $50 million grant supervised by EPA. And uh, I was so lucky I got a chance to work with a lot of famous scientists. 
because Purdue subcontract to uh, eight other universities from uh, Cornell in co East co uh, Coast and uh, UC Davis in West Coast. So I was working with a lot of scientists remotely. Right. So it's a, net, a large collaborative grant. So that was a, a good experience yeah. as a student. That project then. brought me into the area of animal environment, animal production. Then in Canada, I would to Canada, uh, that's similar to the USDA and the government agency. I was working on the emission modeling, how greenhouse gas ammonia emissions can impact the environment and ecosystem. My job was developing a, a, region, a region eco ecosystem model, not, not a national model, but looking at detail of each province, like Alberta, Ontario, and also other provinces of Canada. So my model can predict emission inventory from each province. Similarly, I'm currently developing a similar model for Georgia. We wanted to predict uh, ammonia and greenhouse gas emission from Georgia poultry production because poultry is a very large sector of the Georgia agriculture system. Right. We have some pretty concentrated areas of production. And in, in terms of that modeling, is that per farm site or you do it like over a county basis? What what size does the model predict? We can do both. The input included like uh, how, how many numbers a birdie have. Is that the broiler or layers because they have different emission factors? And uh, for the specific farm, if you are using any mitigation strategies, like uh, ammonia emission is affected by pH level of manure or litter. If you are using litter additives, you may control some emissions. And uh, for the state level, we will do the statistical analysis on uh, a lot of data collected uh, from different counties. That's correct. Because each county has a different uh, climate zoom, like what's the... 30 average temperature range, what is the rainfall? Because rainfall can affect emissions from open area. If we have a new start in the open area, then it could be impacted by rainfall and also the uh, wind direction, wind speed as well. And at the time of the, uh, you're applying the manure for the crop production also matters for the emissions. Right. So in, in terms of, um, mitigation strategies. Um, what, what types of things is your lab currently working on to try to either reduce or improve or um, mitigate the emissions that poultry um, production farms are um, adding to the environment? That's a very good question. For the emission mitigation, we have two goals. First, improving the air quality. If we reduce the emissions, that means we were improve air quality, especially the ammonia. If the ammonia level is over 25 ppm, potentially animals' welfare will be affected. That is uh, regulated by uh, NIOSH, National Institute of Occupational Safety Health. Uh, currently in wintertime, most chicken house has higher than 25 ppm. That uh, we are sure animals and their caretakers are on the risk of um, like a health issue, welfare concern. So if we're using any uh, lead additives, like lead additives primary component is acidifier. So we can reduce the liter ammonia pH level. In that way, we can reduce ammonia emissions. The other concern is the dust. Sometimes the dust level is very high in the chicken house, especially cage-free layer house. 
because birds are freely moving everywhere. They are jumping, perching. So dust level could reach 20 milligrams, like PM10 or PM2.5. Then it can reach 5 or 10 milligrams per cubic meter. That's a very high level. If, if the ambient uh, dust level is higher than 0.5 milligrams, cubic meter that's mean that is a red alarm for some countries you cannot see anything if you're in the chicken house the situation is 10 times worse that's that kind of situation that's our the first goal is improve air quality because dust can also carry bacteria wires that's a were lead to a infection to the animal respiratory system or PM2.5, that's fine particular matter that it can enter the, the lung and other uh, part of our respiratory system can lead to a lot of issues. So the goal one is improve air quality. From a chicken house to our other side, that is emissions. So we wanted to reduce the environment, environmental impact by using, uh, beside lead additive, we're also using like electricity charging system. If we, let, let's use the, Charging the airborne dust or ammonia can be charged as well. All kind of particles, gases can be charged by uh, minus 20, 30 thousand vo voltage. The charge is the particle that is negative, so no dangers to animals. Charged particle will go to the wall, ceiling, or ground floor, so that air quality can be improved. In that way, the total emission from the house to ambient will be reduced. There are many other methods we are considering is like air filtration system. By install the charging system in front of exhaust fan, so the exhaust air like dust, ammonia, greenhouse gas could be filtered. Is that why we can reduce the environmental impact? And in, in terms of that type of, of system that would go in front, uh, so an electrostatic system would go in front of the exhaust fan, um, is, is that a, a model that you're currently working with or are there um, farms that have that already in place? Um, that's, a, that's a part of the model. That could be a mitigation factor. We're testing the technology to quantify how much Dust ammonia can be reduced. Not in Georgia. By that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Currently in Midwest, you know, in Midwest layer layer farm really, and also swine farm, they really care about odor as well. Uh, the company EPI company Electricity Iron Precipitator, or they have different names. That system has been installed for uh, some swine farms in Iowa. Yeah, I have friend work with the. Uh, uh, the, the swine farm, I visited the place a couple times. They said the system were good in odor control. Okay. That, that is definitely a concern for all of, um, you know, sort of these, what we consider concentrated animal feeding operations, CAFOs. I think o odor, um, you know, especially other states that have swine, poultry, um, multiple agricultural entities, I think that they, um, we see a lot more, complaints from neighbors um, in terms of, of odor. That's correct. The same thing about poultry farm. If, if, if the neighbors smell that, they may be complaining. And that's a big issue for the farm to expand the production. That maybe requires a county hearing. So if the farm don't have this kind of technology to prevent the transmission of odor, other gases, they maybe cannot get approval. 
So that's why our research will help the poultry industry to get the approval in the future. Perfect. So that they have the things in place as, you know, as the houses are being built. Um, in terms of sort of like um, retrofitting our current houses um, with some of these technologies, is that something that you see um, as a possibility? Are these technologies going to be, um, you know, put in existing houses as well? Oh, uh, yes. For existing house, inside of the house, I did some tests in commercial electric free house in Iowa to control uh, the dust and also the summer heat stress by using the sprinkler system. Okay. The sprinkler system was originally designed for dust control because dust came from the litter. The litter in wintertime, you know, is very dry. Very dry. Mm-hmm. The morning was not a concern at that time, but dust could be reached very high. So if we wetted the litter surface a little bit, not too much, if we added too much uh, liquid, the ammonia level could be very high. So we did the lab test first. Then we quantified that three gallon water spray could reduce uh, the dust level by 50% without causing ammonia issue. So we installed the sprinkling system in a commercial house. And then to control the dust by 37 to 51%. That reached our goal. Another application was in summer cooling. You know, in Midwest, just different from Southeast, we have we have a sprinkling cooling or uh, evaporation cooling pad in in Georgia, North Carolina, but not in Iowa, Indiana, because farmers' concern is winter hits uh, cold stress. They don't want the house has any uh, heat breacher or on the cold environment, the bird would suffer from a cold stress. In that way, the feed consumption will be high. You know, the feed consumption is accounts for over 50% of production cost. So that is the producer's concern. But birds are suffering in summer. So we propose to use sprinkling system for mm-hmm. the cater for production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the farm managers were nice, except our suggestion. We tried that. And we reduced the body temperature by 12 Fahrenheit degree after like 20, 30 seconds spraying. Spray. Excellent. Yeah. And I use the summer imaging technology. And I use summer cameras to monitor and quantify the heat, heat stress of the body temperature. Like I put the temp, uh, camera on the ceiling, we can see the floor birds and the bird temperature, body temperature can be quantified. We compare the picture between spraying and after spraying water. So we know we did improve the uh, the cooling efficiency and the bird definitely was happy about that. The lot of bird from the aviary system they would jump into the floor to get some cool cooler water. They do they do know how to find the comfortable areas. Yeah, the birds are very sensitive to that. And also use a summer imagery we can monitor their floor distribution. We know that uh, a lot of birds like to congregate uh, at a place with a little bit of dripping cold water from city. That's mean they want cold water. So we transfer that information to produce farm manager. Told them you maybe need to flush your water line. The bird like to drink cold water. They are under the heat stress. So the farm did the same thing as we suggested. So we are happy we can reduce the heat stress of birds. Yeah. You're you're doing a lot of um interesting work. In in terms of um 
new technologies entering in, into engineering, what are what are some things that that you see um, coming like artificial intelligence? That's kind of a buzzword in terms of, um, you know, many industries. Um, how do you see that applied to our poultry industry? That's a very good question. And nowadays we talk about the precision, poultry farming, precision, laboratory farming a lot. Actually, that is not a new concept. We have been working on that for like decades. Previously, about 20, 30 years ago, people are looking at air quality, environmental control, and ventilation, cooling. That is the earlier version of precision production. By doing that, we can provide birds, animals with optimal environment so they can maximize growth speed, can feel comfortable to produce all the year long. Nowadays, we are focused on animal welfare because we can maximize the production already. But a lot of people, especially the animal industry, they care about animal welfare. Like uh, they want customers, uh, um, salesperson or the restaurant chain, they're interested to know where the chicken come from, if the chicken had a good welfare protection. Is the chicken happy while they're laying eggs? That's exactly. <laughs> That's what they want to know, yes. Yeah, to answer their question, so we are using different technology, sensing system, uh, imaging technology. I could share some imaging technology uh, research in my lab. We are install camera in the chicken house to monitor their flow distribution. So like in an aviary system? Yes, aviary system, and also mm-hmm. broiler house as well. Yeah, the birds, no matter uh, layer or broilers, um, the, their behaviors can be analyzed, quantified to connect to their welfare indicator. For example, uh, for broiler chicken, a big issue is a leg issue or laminates because they are, they are growing so fast nowadays. So their body, ta- body weight is so, ha- to, so, so high. So all heavy birds tend to have leg issues because of the fast growing speed. But their legs are uh, compared to their body weight is not well developed. So they tend to have leg issues. Not all the birds, maybe 20%, 30% birds uh, have leg issues by the end of the flock. But that's a big issue. A lot of people think we should go back to slow growing chicken, like a lot bird to grow three, four months. But don't forget we have like 9.5 billion people to feed. Right, we have a lot of people to feed in the world. <laughs> If we grew everything that slow, we wouldn't be able to feed. Yeah, we cannot sacrifice our production efficiency. So one method I'm thinking is using imaging method to track the individual bird with leg issue. Because we found the bird with leg issue like to stay close to feeder or water because they are less mobile. So by monitoring their flow distribution, we can narrow down the, the group, the bird with leg issue. Is that a way we maybe do something to to encourage the bird to move a lot, to encourage the bird to do some exercise. Maybe it can improve the leg condition of, like, gradually. Right. A lot. A lot of the welfare parameters we we measure are very subjective, and the technology you're describing would, you know, be able to assign, you know, a, a measurement, um, you know, like a visual measurement or where they are located. Like you, you would take some of the you know, the people, uh, you know, their eyes, like say we, we've used gate scoring for years to, to measure lameness, but um, the technology that you're talking about is definitely taking some of that subjectivity out 
of, of that. Um, and that would be really, I think that would be useful. Um, you know, that would improve auditing. That's another, you know, point that, that, that we could audit on welfare audits. So look forward to that. Yeah, that would be great technology to add. Yeah, besides a broader house in cage-free laying house, all the regular laying house, conventional production, birds have uh, pecking issues. Like the bird like to peck each other. That's a natural behavior. We cannot like big trim bird anymore nowadays. So we are developing imaging method to track pecking behaviors. We found my student has, has developed a model that can quantify pecking numbers over time. If we notice the packing number is very high, we maybe provide some prevention strategies like a packing stone or packing block made from a gray material. Birds like that because after packing, they can get some um, either a gray material or other stuff. So we're not just stop their packing because their natural behavior. Instead, our packing on the birds, we are encouraging them to pack on the stone, on the blocks. So in that way, we can reduce the packing damage on the birds. That's another project we are currently working on. That would be great. That's a that's a constant struggle in in both you know broiler breeder production and um, layer production. Um, just and it's does it predict? It's not predictable. You never know. You'll have flocks normal for a long time, and then all of a sudden they are very affected by pecking. So. Um, that would be great to try to figure out some of those parameters because sometimes it doesn't make any sense of why, you know, what triggers it. Um, but that would be good to have some alternative solutions. JBI helps poultry producers fight against harmful pathogens with the foaming power of D7 disinfectant. JBI prevents costly outbreaks and ensures eco-friendly biosecurity on farm and in transport. D7 disinfectant is safe and effective against AI, E. coli, salmonella, cocci, dermatitis, and other illness-causing pathogens. It is non-toxic, providing a safer environment for your employees. D7 is also minimally corrosive to equipment and breaks down biofilms. Learn more at jbidistributors.com. Um, so you, you had talked earlier about, um, you know, dust in the environment, carrying viruses and bacteria. One virus that we've dealt with a lot this year, and I think that you dealt with in your time at Iowa State, is avian influenza. Um, so we are continuing um, to have positive cases here in the United States. Um, we thought things had slowed down, but here we've had a couple more reports here in the past uh, week or so. Um, what, in in your, your research... Um, how, um, I guess, how did you guys, uh, your research team, look at how avian influenza was either carried into houses or transmitted out of houses? Um, was there work to sort of um, help us understand the transmission of that virus? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I can share a project I uh, did at Iowa State. That was led by Dr. Hong Wenxin. He was my uh, postdoc mentor during the 2014-2015 outbreak uh, HPII. The, the Dr. Shin got, uh, applied a grant from USDA NIFA to study how to uh, prevent the AI transmission over, over air. Uh, during that time, my team, um, Dr. Hong, Dr. Hong Wenxin and Dr. Yang Zhang, they both faculty with University of Tennessee now. 
and they sampled the air from the farm, infected farm, and they found the vi positive virus over there. And then they confirmed the airborne transmission is possible. And later, we did a modeling study led by Dr. Zhao, and I was the co-author of the paper published. We did a modeling, and we found even like the dust, PM 2.5 or PM 10, they can carry wires from like Minnesota farm. Then if the wind is blow from the north, maybe take a couple of days to Iowa and then downwind. We did the modeling. At, uh, and meanwhile, we did the air filtration study. We confirmed that airborne transmission is possible because a lot of farmers did a very good uh, biosecurity management, but still the <clears throat> spread of uh, the AI so fast. The other very high, high possible reason is airborne transmission. Like if the farm is infected, so the downwind farm could be infected by the airborne dust. The dust can carry wires. So that's our uh, original plan. We think if we can reduce the dust from entering the chicken house, maybe we can re reduce the uh, in contamination reduces the infection. So we select a commercial farm in Iowa, in North Iowa. We started the electrostatic charging system and also air filtration, the filter as well. The filter can block dust, but not in very high efficiency. But if we charge the air, uh, airborne dust with uh, like 20, 30,000 voltage of uh, the, uh, the, the electricity, the dust uh, filtration efficiency can be re reduced further, like which reached eighty percent of reduction efficiency. So that electrostatic charging device would then basically keep the dust on the farm, and and, and keep the virus on the farm. Yeah, we keep uh, we block the the dust uh, in the filter, so the farm the the dusty air won't enter the chicken house. Does it? It's not exhausted out the, the end of the house like we, we all have likely seen. Um, yeah, the dust definitely. We, we installed the filtration system in the inlet. Oh, in the in, so it's filtered as it comes in. And, and do, do you think that, that those types of systems will become normal, part of our, um, or only in high-risk areas? Oh, that's a good question. Because then a filtration system can affect the ventilation efficiency. So maybe wintertime is okay, but not a summertime. You know, some heat stress is an important issue. Our suggestion uh, was to use that, use that in the high like risk area. Because if we have surrounding uh, farms or surrounding state, have the infection, has positive cases, so the downwind farm installed in the system. So that may be uh, like, we when not one hundred percent sure that it can reduce, but we we are sure that it can reduce the risk if the virus is, is from the airborne dust. If it's airborne transmission, and how? What distance did your research and the research group that you were part of? What distance was documented for for the virus um, to potentially travel in the models that you used? Uh, in the model that was led by Dr. Yang Zhao, uh, we tried uh, the distance to our large range from Minnesota to Iowa, then to Kansas, very large area. And our resolution is uh, can can be as uh, five or ten kilometers. We can by reducing the distance. That's uh, in that way we can improve the model accuracy. 
Okay. So in, in terms of like documented cases of airborne transmission, like you, you, you studied those to develop the model or how was the model developed to, to, you know, predict that? Uh, that model was developed based on a survey. We know many farmers was infected, so we did a survey, and then we based on the statistical data provided by uh, state agriculture department. Then we use that as input. Gotcha. I think that um, you know when we're in an outbreak, there's there's so much virus that's likely circulating, and and I think that's just um, that would be another control point um, if we could could try to, um, you know, keep the dust and the virus on the farm, that would be helpful. Yeah. Besides that, uh, some other technology we would maybe consider like uh, re- reduces the uh, contamination from wild birds. We know the wild bird can carry um, uh, avian influenza, but we cannot control wild bird. I noticed a uh, research at uh, Wageningen University, they use a leather around install the laser around the farm. So the laser will scan the area. So if any water birds, they were like expel the water birds away. Oh, wow. And and the lasers are? Just like light. Just the light. So the light just keeps them away. Okay. So it's a deterrent for wild birds. Yeah. Also, we're thinking about using imaging system to monitor the farm. If we catch any wild birds fly close to the farm, we maybe can uh, use either laser or other, like uh, in some Amazon has $50 like alarming system, making loud noise to expel the bird. To get the wild birds. To yeah, go. that's another thing we were thinking. Maybe can reduce the potential contamination. It's a good thought. We definitely know that, that there are lots of uh, wild birds and not necessarily just ducks anymore. So, yeah, other wild bird species can, can carry the virus and bring it onto the farm. Yeah, every time I visit a commercial farm, I notice some wild birds because the farm has the feet. Yeah, so the bird can smell them. everywhere, yeah. They like to get closer to get some food. So. That's right. Free food. Um, so in terms of sort of what you see is the future for precision farming or, you know, air quality. Um, what are some technologies that you're really excited about? Like things that would be, you know, five to 10 years down the road. I would just say maybe in future blockchain technology can be used for the production as well. No matter animal welfare or the carbon footprint, that can be quantified on the farm. And then that's the database. By using blockchain technology, we can track the product. For example, if you go to Walmart, McDonald's, you may just scan the system, a bar. You can find out where the eggs or where the chicken was produced and how the animals was growing, what the background story looked like. Especially now customers are interested to know the, the meat or eggs, <clears throat> the related welfare information, carbon footprint. Uh, last year, USDA and RCS re- released a project called uh, Climate Smart Agriculture and Forestry. I think that's a very good opportunity to improve the uh, precision technology by tracking uh, the cup footprint. For example, we we are developing Im- mitigation technologies, and that can help 
reduce the emissions, but the cost is high. We need the compensation from either government or from the grocery. Now, no money for that part. But if we can use blockchain technology, then it can improve the market value of the product. For example, some customers are willing to pay like 10% or 20% higher for the specific product they like. That would be good. The money can be used to improve the technology. We we definitely have consumers that are, they're always looking for the, the next best thing. And I think that, you know, what you're describing, that would, you know, they all want something that they can scan on their smartphone and know where their chicken nuggets came from. Yeah, yeah. With a smartphone, we can just use the app. Now we can check the farmer situation. And uh, another area is the cloud computing. We talked with commercial uh, producer farmers. They don't want to spend like $1,000, $27 for the computer because the images, videos requires supercomputer to analyze. Instead, they are okay to pay like $200 per month for the data service. Now, a lot of companies like Google, uh, Oracle, I have project with Oracle, we're doing cloud computing. By uploading the images, the video to the cloud system, we can use their cloud computer, like GPU computer, to do data analysis. Then it can improve the data analysis in a very efficient way. And we don't have to spend money for the computer. The company has. We just need a high-speed internet. That's relatively cheaper. So the farmer just uses the uh, cloud structure provided by the company. They pay like $200, $300 per month, and they can use the app to connect to their cloud computer system. So the farm manager, maybe in the future, just sit in the home or office to check the bird growing condition. Uh, the system can report like net score, uh, his stress conditions, growth speed, definitely all the farmer interested to know their uh, body body weight. So in all my technology, I would just say we should include body weight of broilers of egg production for the cage-free layers or conventional layer production, include their interested data together with animal welfare data. So all stakeholders will be happy. It will, the future will be here really quickly with all this technology. It's developing uh, every day uh, and being applied into our industry. Um, well, I thank you for your time, uh, Leilong. I think that um, we have talked about some really interesting subjects in terms of air quality and how technology is going to take us into the future so that our industry can be more sustainable. Um, so if all of you listening, if you have uh, any questions directly, uh, you can find Leilong on the UGA Poultry Science webpage. You can find him there pretty easily and send him your questions. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you.